0: Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com This week we're talking about The Hanged Man the triumphant return record of Ted Leo, and the first song we'll play is called Used to Believe.
1: I used to believe in someone who could never be for foes I was at someone setting the roll
0: 7 years since we've had an album from Ted Leo and I think it's been a long 7 years for him and that's why we thought this would be a good song to start with because it sets up sort of thematically the album it's it's the second song on the record but I think it sets up the way that he approached this album which is kind of letting go of his sort of hardcore punk extreme views of kind of unwavering of like his beliefs of what he thought the way that things had to be done And he's funded this album on Kickstarter after a long sort of tumultuous history with some record labels that fell apart, first Lookout and then Touch and Go, and then had some issues with Matador, which put out his last record. And so... This song, I think, jives with the album art, which is the hanged man in tarot, which kind of signifies sort of having pushed forward in, in yourself into a corner and needing to stop and change your perspective and maybe accept the things that you cannot change. And the album art is the hanged man but in a tank like Harry Houdini. So it's an image of having to escape from sort of the, the place that he found himself in artistically.
2: Well, yeah, it's the lyrics here. And of course it's Ted Leo. So the lyrics are going to be amazing. Mm. And he just, there's so many great lines here. It's like, I was that someone certain, but wrong who wouldn't deceive. like, And that he was very, he's recognizing his own earnestness and kind of owning it while still feeling not embarrassed, but, you know, trying to move on and grow up. And that's what's, I think, so interesting about this song. is like, oh, you hear, like, I used to believe. And that's sort of someone looking back, like, oh, I used to be idealistic. And it's, I'm so kind of degraded. And here it's almost like a triumph for him to look at that idealism and say, well, it was kind of problematic. And here I have maybe less ambitious needs of just, like, trying to meet the day-to-day challenges we have. Like, I just, I'm going to rise to the sorrow of every day. And trying to win a lost cause, and that that's kind of a bummer, <laughs> but then it's so cheerful sounding and I don't know what could be less hardcore than getting your backling vocals from Jonathan Colton, who is just kind of the nerd troubadour, yeah, and brings such just a sunshiny sound to this song about not giving up but kind of having more realistic take on things and kind of readjusting your. You know growing up a little bit as an artist and as a person
0: yeah and it's still a really catchy wonderful song and like all of his songs it's expert an expertly written pop song
2: yeah it's so poppy and yet then to look at it and i was i always go through where we're kind of saying oh what's what are the verses and what are the choruses and i was really struck by the extent to which it's just kind of this verse because it's like i used to believe I used to believe and it's kind of the same repeated pattern and there isn't kind of a traditional verse chorus. It's Just some of the verses kind of go turn left, some of them turn right, mm-hmm. and then they all loop back. And so there isn't that sense of repetition, even though it has that very poppy sound. And so I like that kind of contrast. And then, of course, the end of the song is a minute of just down, 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 down. And this kind of weird and it breaks apart with the hymn and Jonathan Colton. And then it seems it's so looped and kind of fragmented. And And yet joyful.
0: And it's great to see him getting so creative with his song structure and the different sounds. And I feel like he was always a pretty, like, driving punk artist. And one of the things that is always noticeable about his songs is he's always – his vocals are usually just a little bit ahead of the beat. And so it's almost like the musicians are trying to catch up with his singing. And I feel like he is kind of relaxed a little bit more and letting his artistic – impulses come out in a little bit more interesting ways.
2: But yeah, I think that it's yeah, a broad range and I, to, so we'll go from this pop song cuz I think this is yeah, you you know, just sort of driving and I feel like mm-hmm. no, this is at a more relaxed pace, but then this next song we'll play
0: which is the penultimate track.
2: Yeah. And that is I think very driving, very intense.
0: It's called Lonsdale Avenue. Lonsdale
1: Child in trouble times, she came. I couldn't protect her from this life and all its pain. We called her many things, and those things she remained. She taught me better love, and I might love again. Slip into the slipstream, follow her and go. But this man who gladly moved a million mountains
0: must get outside and
1: shovel snow.
0: I wanted to play this song earlier in the podcast even though it comes very late in the album because I think it does set up so many of the thematic parts of this record that we're going to talk about. First of all I just want to point out I don't know if it's an intentional callback but you know the line I've been walking many a mile alone might be a callback to the last song on Shake the Sheets which came out in 2004 right after W was reelected and it was kind of this really powerful like let's get together there's a whole lot of walking to do we need to like make change and then this is just kind of like this I've been walking and I'm tired and this is probably the most personal song on the record. And it really kind of shows how he's digging deeper as an artist and is really willing to uh, put himself out there. It This song really makes me tear up.
2: Yeah, it's it's clearly like he's looking back with, I think, some sorrow. And it is so evocative. I mean, this entire mention of like, oh, I had this Selkie child and I couldn't protect her from this life. And this notion of like having this magic and the reality yeah and so Just part intrigued.
0: of one there's a stereo gum interview where he talks about a lot of the things that have gone on in the time since his last record came out and one of them was that he and his wife had a baby that died and so this is referenced in a couple of different places in on the record this being one of them and also i think this song is personally important because it that's amy Mann who's doing the backing vocals ted leo had kind of retreated from making music, and then he started doing music with her as the both, and they did some touring, and you know they had been friends before, and so it kind of like, she helped him kind of like come back out of his shell and get into touring again, and so that is, I think, one of the things that led up to this record being made.
2: Yeah, and I think, some, well, in fact, to me, musically, what is so kind of pure about it is that it is, as far as I can tell, it is just him. It's just him and his guitar, and even the guitar is so kind of stripped down, where it's just kind of this fairly cute melodic section, and then just this kind of chugga 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 while mm. he's getting to business. Mm-hmm. And that there's there's only kind of one thing happening at a time, and he's like, I don't want you to be distracted <laughs> from yeah. what's, what I'm saying here. Yeah. And that it is that intense, and it's just and it's that message, just like I've been working, I've been working my, I'm wor- I've been walking so far, and I've been working my fingers to the bone, and I. But he just kind of hangs in there and you know in contrast to, i think that last song this one has such a straightforward structure and it's just, yeah he doesn't want anything to distract you at all and as he looks back and yeah there's sorrow but not regret i guess mm-hmm. best way to put it and there's such a momentum to it even in its simplicity but then we'll listen to this next track where he i think looks to the future the song called the future is waiting to Of this song. I just feel like it's such a great example of Ted Leo's songwriting skill that he's able to put this incredibly wordy lyrics into this very catchy package. And it has, it's structurally, it's just this classic pop song, but it's got sort of a two-stage uh, pre-chorus leading to the chorus. And I, this is also a great song, I think, to point out. This is not a Ted Leo and the Pharmacists album. It's just a Ted Leo album. But here he has Chris Wilson, the drummer from the pharmacist, and the drum work really sets it apart. That that sort of transition into the chorus, where it's just bam, 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 and it's so intense and structured, and it just makes it really cathartic. And yet, it's musically cathartic, even as this its entire super ironic and funny take on like, hey, we're in the singularity, and it kind of sucks.
0: I, I mean, I I think it's ironic, but also it's. Genuine that we're experiencing things that you didn't even know were going to be a thing and that that's kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, well, it's, 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 I I think it's a very nuanced take because he's talking about like, oh, it's so exciting. But then also like the more you have these technologies, the more you come to expect them and then you just want more and that kind of addictive aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of this notion of like you, yeah, you get to, you start you you want it and then you're waiting for it and then there's this entire bridge which is about like oh and now you have to put up with advertising and that's slowing you down and that's sort of like the entire economic model is kind of jacked and then it ends with him just saying like actually i must trust in your humanity and our shared humanity to navigate this because it's happening
0: and there's you know these great synths and like flange guitars that are kind of outside of the normal Ted Leo repertoire. And I like that there's so much creativity here as far as what it sounds like.
2: Yeah. I really like the variety of different sounds on this song that there's the synths at the beginning, which are very spacey and futuristic, the synths at the end. And then in the middle, there's, as you described the flange guitar, the really driving drums, but then in other places, it almost has kind of this classic rock kind of sound. And so it's sonically all over the place as it's covering this sort of modern anxiety but mixed with some excitement and it's uh, just a delightful song and just a testament to his skill as a songwriter and i think that combination of i think humor and universal themes is throughout this album and we'll talk about this next song we play it's called run to the city <laughs>
0: Lot because on the surface it's just a very catchy fun sing-along song but the more times i listen to it the more complex it is and the more that you notice about the structure and the way that the key changes in the part that we heard and like there's a lot of complexity in this song and and it changes over even the course of the song even though it's not a very long song
2: yeah i noticed that as well that's sort of first chorus first chorus first chorus so it's straightforward pop structure mm-hmm. and yet a few things I noticed and yeah we actually heard the kind of the end of that and we'll get back to that where there are all, all those chord changes but it seems kind of this very straightforward story of the first verse being like okay I can't wait to move to the city and the second verse is oh I can't I'm so love moving living in the city and then this last verse being kind of like, I kind of gotta get out of here mm-hmm. I, I've done my part to make it better and that sort of unease musically there was something kind of inter- weird about this song and it just it's so like odd numbers and prime numbers in its structure because it's like each verse is these four little sections. Each of them is three measures, except then there's this extra measure at the end. So it's just kind of constantly like two measures and then stop, two measures and stop. And then there's this extra measure going into the chorus. And so it's like these 13 measures. And so everything just feels a little out of sorts and it feels exciting but also a little unsettling
0: the song where you really see the con- contribution of the drummer who's the drummer from the pharmacist is he's really like it's shaking up the pacing in a way that's interesting oh
2: yeah that he's able to fast fast and then the slow and it's constantly mm-hmm. s- hurry up and then stop and pause and it never feels incoherent it feels mm-hmm. like a cohesive song mm-hmm. and also i think what's kind of delightful here is so ted leo I guess, had sort of decided, I got to get out of New York. This is kind of kicking my butt. Yeah, his
0: wife already owned a a house in Rhode Island. And so they decided to move back there. And just that they couldn't afford the cost of living in New York City anymore. And it was just kind of like, this doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, and that they they did their part to make the city better. And they Mm -hmm. moved on. And I think this is sort of a celebration of that, though, because they moved to Rhode Island. And then the saxophonist is adrian berry who's a member of the downtown boys based in uh providence Mm -hmm. and makes this song so dynamic with that sax solo Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's makes i mean it makes the song Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i like that there's kind of these three and there's you know it's first chorus and then instrumental and the first one is with just you know rock and guitar Mm -hmm. and that's great but then when it comes back with this sax and it's so much Like adding these new sounds and he's Mm -hmm. able to get these new influences and become part of the music scene of a new place is really exciting.
0: I actually don't, I can't recall off the top of my head and maybe this is incorrect, but um, I don't know that Ted Leo has ever written a song that had sax in it. So it's another new direction.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's great that as an artist, like he's been at it how many decades now Mm -hmm. and still growing and changing and the cleverness never goes away and the invention never goes away, but it always goes in new directions.
0: But speaking of cleverness, probably the most clever lyrically or the most clever wordplay on this record is the next song that we'll play called Little Smug Supper Club.
1: Well, I heard last Wednesday you didn't even mention me. Think it's weird, don't you see how it could hurt To chop it like it's hot and leave it lying in the dirt And from the field to the chafing dish I can't wait to taste dessert And all the kiddies at your table Sipping vinegar from Flukes You tell them it's champagne and then you charge them two.
0: Ted Leo is my favorite solo artist next to Elvis Costello, who is my number one favorite. And so it's not a surprise that this would be my favorite song on this record, because I, I think it's the one with the most obvious reference to Elvis Costello and to a lesser extent, Joe Jackson, who clearly has had an influence on all of Ted Leo's work. But this song in particular, just the clever wordplay and the way the guitar sounds and the kind of... Yeah, even
2: his vocal style yeah. is Costello-esque. Yeah. And, and certainly what I, I am so impressed because this song is a very kind of mid-tempo and he's just, it, it doesn't feel forced. And then you just, he's getting so many words and uh-huh. how is it so wordy and so clever and it never feels rushed. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, he makes it seem easy and you know it wasn't. yeah And this is one that is certainly, I... I, I It's catchy as heck. You know, I think I know what it's about. And I love, though, that it's kind of suggestive, but it does seem to be kind of about this, like, fake authenticity and, like, farm-to-table. Well, I mean,
0: I think it's clearly, like, about something specific, like somebody that he has... a grudge against or somebody that he had a fight with so i i think that's kind of the backdrop but then i think you're you're right it gets at larger themes yeah it
2: feels personal but at the same time it gets at this entire notion of someone who's like kind of buying into this like oh i'm just gonna eat this locally sourced food and they'll tell me how great it is and i'll just say oh great i this is this is the best i just love that they'll yeah uh give them vinegar and flutes and charge them to believe you. And, well, it's and also so like, damning. And
0: I may be reading into this or like putting my own gloss on the fact that this really bothers me, but Ted Leo's vegan and it's trendy these days to pretend to care about eating local and like... Caring, pretending that what you're eating helps the environment because you're killing animals that are like locally farmed and grass fed, and it's like totally missing the point that eating meat is the most environmentally <laughs> destructive thing you can do, and 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 kind of pretending like patting yourself on the back for doing something that's still terrible.
2: Yeah, well, it's his style, and I know he, you know he he sang earlier in the album about used to believe in something but he clearly still believes in things but i like that it's not kind of beating over the head with it but it's more kind of humorous and just like i'm gonna laugh at you for being kind of ridiculous at the same time that there there is that venom dripping as he sings yeah
0: and like there's so many great puns in here like the the artisanal cuts of the cruelest kind which is such a great line and the locally sourced loops
2: yeah <laughs> which is like oh it's uh, artisanal techno <laughs>
0: I think part of the way that the wordplay feels a little bit fussed over is because I think this is the song that he had been working on the longest. And I remember him playing this when we saw him at Bottom of the Hill, which I, I don't remember if that was with Amy Mann. or I think if... it
2: was with Amy Mann, but they hadn't started calling themselves the both yet.
0: OK, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he's been playing this song for a long time and clearly thinking about it for a long time. And that's why I think it's lyrically so well crafted and sort of nailed down as he spent a lot of time working on this one. I also just like the fact that it's a very catchy song. Also, the case with the next song that we'll play called Anthems of None." tracks on this record and so it was really tough to pick seven of them which is the number we usually do and the reason that I wanted to choose this one to talk about is because it's such a classic Ted Leo sounding song. It's got that driving energy. And it's kind of like a rousing chorus. Like it's a call to action. That's also a little bit ambiguous. But it's also continues this sort of greater musical exploration. Like there's some interesting doubling of vocals and more hand claps. And there's a lot of fun things thrown in here that are make it a little bit richer than what he's done in the past. And it just made me so glad that he's back with a solo record. And as much as I love the both, record that he did with Amy Mann it's just it makes me really happy to hear his unique voice doing solo material again
2: yeah and it's fantastic you know that he's done these songs where he's playing with backing vocals but here there's no backing vocals credited because he can just kind of loop against himself and similarly with guitars there's like two or three different guitar lines happening in here and as far as i know it's all him and it sounds fantastic with the layers and the vocals are just changed enough that it's like every time through it seems like a conventional pop song but little lyrical changes and Mm. that attention to detail and that it works out and this is sort of the the thing you fear with that kind of kickstarter is like oh i'm just gonna go and it'll be totally self-indulgent and it's Mm. not Mm -hmm. and you know i can do this thing by myself i can do a song that's just me on guitar and then i can do things that are crazy layered i can do things with collaborators co- backup singers and it all sounds fantastic and all cohesive, even though there's such a range of styles. Yeah, I
0: think that's something that we didn't really talk about, but it is worth mentioning that after having some issues with his various labels, none of which were his fault, I think it was someone that he knew at Kickstarter who was trying to drive this segment of having artists fund their own records who sort of talked him into doing this, and he was a little bit reluctant about it. And then I know he's been very pleased with the fact that everybody backed it really quickly like they got to their goal of I think it was 75 grand you know in 24 hours and everyone was super enthusiastic and like I was certainly one of those people who was like yes let me throw money at you to give us another album and so I think he has had a really positive experience with having this the ability to be creative but I as an artist, he has enough ability to edit himself and not be self-indulgent the way that someone might be able to be. And I think part of that is testament to his friends and collabor- collaborators like Jonathan Colton and Amy Mann, who clearly are great artists in their own right. And he has the benefit of getting feedback from them. And you know, you're, when you're surrounding yourself with equally talented people, then I think that really helps you edit your own ideas. Yeah,
2: and it's I think he's triumphant then that he goes into the end of this album. Assembling a choir, and he—if you've seen him live, he is a funny, funny, funny dude. He has amazing stage banter, and so it's like he is one of those super funny musicians. And then he also is friends with all the really musical comedians, and so he gets together this choir of Open Mike Eagle and Amy Mann, who are super funny musicians, Paul Bryan, who produced the Both album, and then Tony Newsom and Paul F. Tompkins are comedians, but who can sing really well, and they're the choir of the Moon (laughs) for this track that we go out with. Let's stay on the moon.
0: And, you know, keep in mind that this follows Lonsdale Avenue as the two last songs. And so they're both kind of the most personal, both the most touching for me, if you really listen to the lyrics. Really moving. And it's a really great way to end this record. A little bit sad, but like it just indicates a really great direction for him as an artist. So we'll go out with that again it's called Let's Stay on the Moon and we've been talking about The Hanged Man by Ted Leo and you've been listening to For the Record. Thanks for listening. so
1: long you bitter climbs, we better leave you behind and fly in the night and all the damage that we've done Don't look so bad when we block out the sun, so why Why? fight from the absence of sight?